and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome everybody to another episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat. This is our usual feature show, but for the first time ever you're hearing this on a Tuesday. It's basically our version of Super Tuesday. Uh, I am your host, Scott McLeod, and today we're looking over at AEW, more specifically the AEW Women's Division, a topic of much discussion, some more negative than others, but we'll hopefully have a more balanced discussion here today. Uh, before we begin, though, a bit of housekeeping first. Remember to follow Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat on on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Suplex Retreat as we can keep up with some of the changes we've been up to recently. And make sure you still follow us on all good Android podcast sites, whether that be Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you choose to get your podcast. Where you'll be hearing shows like this and uh, our new shows on a on a Thursday ESSR Central coming all the stuff going on in the weekly shows on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite as well as the big news stories and also you can that's where you can now hear Saturday Draft Live every Saturday as well as occasionally our monthly content like East Meets West and eventually at some point in the distant future I'll be good graps again and whatever else we do <laughs> well it doesn't look like the Indies are coming back anytime soon leave me alone and also you can look over at our YouTube channel where we've got content like uh, the Conspiracy Series with David Campbell and Quiz Showdown with, I don't know who the champion is, but he seems like a top bloke. Anyway, let's get into the panel for this week's show. Uh, one of the aspects of the women's division we're going to be looking at, probably not in a too positive light, is the Forgotten Nightmare Collective. And our first balance is already a bit of a nightmare to deal with. It's our new ESSR champion, Sarah Grief. How am I a nightmare? I've literally just been so quiet and very humbly went, oh yay, I won a sweet. How yeah, about so I've, I've, not forgot, I've not forgotten the past, Sarah. <laughs> Did you already got your revenge on that? Hmm. I don't forget. Speaking of champions, a former ASSR champion himself, and he is much like Riho was with the AEW Women's Championship, not because he also loved Japanese wrestling, but you could be forgiven for forgetting that either of them ever were a champion, because their title reigns were so unmemorable. It is Grant McRobbie. Oh, Oh, that, that wounds me deeply, and you're meant to be my friend. <laughs> I never said we were friends. Grant, there's one problem with that. Scott has no friends. <laughs> I don't need friends to disappoint me. Uh, anyway, the voice you just heard there is of our EP, who unfortunately did not have time to come up with an intro for it, is Quacky Adjie. Wow, I feel so loved. <laughs> in a strange way, in ESSR terms, not getting hate is actually more hateful than actually getting hate. But oh well, fair play. How you doing, man? I could, I could, I could make some Adidas Nike jokes that usually trigger you, but you know. Yeah, nah, I'm, I'm over that now. They, they've, they've hit me with their worst by actually mentioning that other brand. But oh well. Oh well, with, uh, with that out of the way, these lackluster intros done then we can carry on with the, the show. And we're going to talk about the the AEW Women's Division. And I've got to say, while it's got a lot of criticism, I think at the start of AEW's run, there was a lot of promise, a lot of hope for what the Women's Division might be. Uh, Sarah, at their first like, big press conference in Jacksonville, you had Brandy Rhodes coming out, basically promising equal pay 
across the men and the women in the roster. Like, if you're a female in the mid-card, you'll probably be paid the same as a male mid-carder. And if like, you're the women's champion, and by right, you should be paid as much as the, the men's champion. Upon hearing this, what were your thoughts on a company trying this uh, equal pay kind of strategy? I believe it was it, it sounded very ambitious, especially mm-hmm. like I do like the whole equal pay and everything, but in reality, like you're never going to pay your women's champion the the same as you know the men's world champion. Like that's it's never going to happen. Um, I don't know if it is actually happening. Like I don't know if Shida is actually getting paid the same as John Moxley. I am not too sure. I haven't seen their financial, you know. Records, but like the Would idea. Your gut instincts say it as though. You know what I mean. It's it, <laughs> it's it's a nice idea. Like that's what everybody's striving for. But until like you actually see it on paper, it's going to be quite hard to actually believe. But at the same time, like it's mid carders. Like usually the women get treated like mid carders. Um, like, I, I don't know if the Women's World Championship will ever remain event one of the pay-per-views. I, I, I don't know if it actually will. Um, so that's the whole thing taken into account. But when I, when it was first announced, I was like, it's a bit ambitious. But hey, if they're, if they're going to find a way to work it out to where people are happy, all for it. You know, like, well, we've seen much evidence of it really since that initial announcement. And I do think like when you see that Chris Jericho was the first ever champion, I do. I think it'd be bizarre to think that anyone in the women's division is being paid as much as Jericho, and not because of like the difference in gender, because Jericho is probably the most valuable person they had, especially at the start of the company, given he is the person bringing in a lot of names because of his past in WWE. Uh, Grant, one of the first marquee signings in the women's division at that initial press conference was uh, Dr. Bert Baker. I think she was heavily pushed from the start. A lot of people assumed she'd probably be the first women's champion. Yeah, I mean, they came they came in with the the whole big fanfare. They really kind of bigged it up, and at the beginning, you know, it did have that ambitious feeling. The women are going to get equal pay. Oh, Britt Baker, that's actually quite a good signing because she had a good showing it all in. But at the same time, did you know she's a dentist? <laughs> Never knew. Never knew. But you know, it, it did. I thought she was going to be their first champion. The way they bigged it up at that press conference was like. Is this going to be the face of their women's division? Could be a good shout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm still reeling from that news that she's a dentist. I mean, you learn something every time you listen to ESSR. <laughs> but <laughs> shortly after she was announced at their next big event, they also announced the signings of Nyla Rose and Kylie Ray, which then led to the announcement of a triple threat match at Double or Nothing, which was then turned to a four way with the addition of Awesome Kong. I must say, having just finished rewatched Glow around that time, I was so happy to see Kong show up in that match. I don't know about Welfare you guys, queen but... for the win. Oh yeah, <laughs> the fact that she did win still annoys me. Uh, but what were you guys' thoughts on that uh, four-way match? Is the first kind of official women's match of AEW? Quick, I'll start with you. Um, it wasn't too memorable, in my opinion. To be honest with you, it was just a match like kind of thing because you've got to forgive me in this episode because like I watch AEW and I've been still watching it during COVID and stuff and I've still been watching NXT religiously as well as AEW so 
before I get the accusation that I am of one side or whatever. I'm on the one side, the wrestling fan side, as in I like wrestling. Um, it's, at the start, it's not been the best book, to be honest, and that's me being really sugarcoated it there, to be honest, because I don't like using negative language, but let's be honest, it's not been great. Yeah, because like I, I know at the time I thought it was clear that the Kong Adam was a, a last minute thing because she got taken out very early and then the other three kind of carried on as if let's do the spots for a plan to do before Kong got added. So did it come across that way to you? Cause... Yeah, no, that, it did come across that way because it, it was very blatantly obvious that because like you just saw like the change in pace of that match, it just it went. It was quite slow building up. It's like, right, okay, what's going to happen? Kong gets taken out, and then it's like, boom, 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 and like that's where the action starts happening. Uh, it was, it was very easy to tell. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think Britt Baker getting the win, Grant, was quite obvious, given that, again she seemed to be the like bit heavily pushed big female signing at the time. Yeah, definitely. That was it kind of felt like looking at it. I was like, when Awesome Kong was added in the last minute, I thought this could be the wrench in the works. She could be the one to win it. Still surprised she didn't win it. I think she should have. But you know, it was it was something different. You had two powerhouse women, two kind of like Kyle Ray and Britt Baker being sort of. Well, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. You know, average build. They're not big powerhouses like Kong and Nyla Rose. So you had a kind of two different people and like two different types in there. Um, but they. It's just a match. It, it, it was there. I can barely remember anything of it. I had to kind of rewatch it to even get some of the spots again. Yeah, I think it was more well received than the uh, the Joshi six woman tie that came later on in that night. Because I, I get the the influence wanted to bring one from other countries. They've had a real international flavour to the the roster. It just it felt like things just didn't click. Especially, I, I believe there was a spot where there was a kick out. The timekeeper rang the bell, and then I think that. Luckily, the, the Dustin Cody match followed it because that was that looked like it was going to set a weird mood for the rest of the show because it felt like it was just full of mistakes. That Joshi match was just so clustered and it was just so confusing, hard to follow. Was that the... Um, no, that wasn't. The, I was thinking of the match where Britt Baker did a hot tag on the wrong side. Oh, no, that was, uh, <laughs> I think it was that fight for the fallen. Yeah. Another one you're thinking of, but... This, the issue with this one also, you had people like Aji Kong, you had eventual champions like Ryo and Akaro Shida were in there as well. But the thing was, these this match kind of just randomly announced on one of the road dude shows, I think. None, nobody had really had a chance if you didn't follow Japanese wrestling to really find out who any of these people were, unless you may have briefly seen Aji Kong when she appeared in the, the late 90s in the WWF, briefly. For me personally, like in, in the early stages of the women's division, the only people I kind of knew were uh, Awesome Kong uh, because of WWE and then Glow, uh, Britt Baker because of the All-In Fatal 4-Way match, and also Emi Sakura because she was involved in the training of Debbie Kaitel, so that was the only people that I kind of knew of. The rest of it was all fresh eyes, so I was open to seeing, and yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that's that's one way to to put it. Uh, I want to ask you guys about this. Uh, Kylie Ray. It still feels great to think of her as an AEW wrestler because this was her one and only match for the company. She kind of disappeared after she was advertised for Fighter Fest, only to be replaced on the day of 
by Ali in her match with no explanation, only to find out after all out she'd asked for a release. Uh, I'll start used to given that Kylie's now went on to Impact and it looks like she's having a decent mess success. She's the number one contender for Diana Perrazzo's uh, knockouts title. Do you think Kylie leaving was a, a lot big loss for AEW? I mean, part of me says yes because like we all know how good Kylie Wright actually is. I mean, like they've allowed to like show her colours on Impact, and when she was part of Wrestle House, she's she's really coming to her own, um, and she could have been like the top babyface of the entire division. Uh, but I don't know. I I I'm I think part of me just thinks that she may have just been a little bit in over her head. Like when you look at. Uh, impact in comparison to AEW. Impact's a lot smaller than what it used to be um, and it's a lot more contained so I think like she probably just got herself a bit overwhelmed like they maybe was expecting a little bit too much of her or she was putting too much pressure on herself considering that this was supposed to be the big WWE contender like and that's a lot of pressure to have on your shoulders and um, like there was different reasons of why she asked for her release but I think just saying, like, just saying that, like, that just big pond, a little bit overwhelmed, and maybe like because they hadn't fully built a women's division yet. Mm. That again, it's a lot of pressure to having yourself, especially if you are like one of the only baby faces kicking around. Grant, what are your thoughts on Kyler Ray not being a part of the of AEW? And I'd seen quite a few of her things on the American Indies, and I'd liked what I'd seen already. I thought this is a really good they've got like a really perfect baby face for it just the way that she is she, she kind of reminds me a little bit of like the like early Bailey and stuff like that that just really happy go lucky cheery attitude so when she just suddenly disappeared I was like this seems very out of place but she went away she's reinvented herself a bit and she's killing it an impact and it could be as Sarah said a bit of the big pond jitters and everything I thought she would have been better prepared for it, but it didn't work out there. No, no, never can, never say never. She might end up there again one day. Hopefully, when their division's a bit better. Maybe I remember when Ali kind of replaced her in that fighter fest match. I thought, well, Ali kind of played a, a similar role in Impact as the plucky like baby face and all that, and like she. And then suddenly, Ali said like two different gimmick changes ever since, so that didn't work out. I think uh, Kylie has addressed the whole Bailey comparisons and stuff like that, and generally given her real reasons to why she left. But she does say there was a lot of personal like issues at the time, so obviously it's a bunch of her own decision to leave. But as we moved on to All Out, it was time to start thinking about crowning the first ever women's champion, and they decided to kind of thought the Casino Battle Royal. If it's good enough for the men, it's good enough for the women. The women's Casino Battle Royal, and there's some. Really, when you look back on it, real bizarre people uh, involved in that. Like, Tenille Dashwood was in there, Jazz was in there randomly, and also the number 21 spot, which I pointed out. We keep doing these sweeps for AEW, and whenever they've had the number 21 or the mystery person in that Casino Ladder match, nobody ever gets it. We never manage to guess the right person, so credit to AEW for, for that. But number 21 was Mercedes Martinez who a bit like, well, WWE didn't sign her, so maybe AEW will get her, and then they didn't, and now she's back in NXT, finally. Uh, 
So I'll throw you, what were your thoughts on the Casino Battle Royal? Uh, they crown one of the first spots in the match, they crown the women's champion. I mean, it was a bit all over the place, but I, I can't say it's the worst Battle Royal I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> like, I've, I've seen a lot worse Battle Royals, I've, yeah. So, I think like just, in my opinion, you can't really go wrong with a Battle Royal. Hopefully, sometimes, unless you might slide out. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like the whole idea of like five entering at the one time, it's a good idea. I like it. Mm. It's just sometimes it can get a bit crowded, and that's when start things start going wrong. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what happened with the women's casino battle royal, but. I wouldn't say it's the worst thing I had ever seen. Yeah, good. I think. Sorry, Kerfoot. Yeah, well, see what I think. That this whole AEW style of doing battle royales, I actually prefer because let's be like battle royales. It's a bit too clock. Uh, you like you get excited. It's one of those matches where you get excited at the start, and then when it actually happens, you're like. There's too many people to follow what happens. So with the likes of like the Andre the Giant Battle Royal or the Women's Battle Royal that used to be named after uh, legendary people in dodgy business. Um, like the things I remember are Ty Dillinger and Matt Hardy having to tend the lead off and then Rob Gronkowski for all the wrong reasons. So it's just those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I honestly think battle royals aren't as good until you get down to like say the last five or so. Yeah. That's when the field really thins out. You can actually have some decent like moments. Mm-hmm. Grant, what are your thoughts on the battle? Because I think this year where they had like the guys at their most recent all out getting actual entrances individually before the next person came out. I think they've learned from this time that you can't just rush everybody out at once because it doesn't make it hard for the audience to follow. Yeah, I mean, with the battle royals, I'll be, I'm not really a big fan of battle royals in general. It just it's, it's, there's too many bodies, and you know, trying to follow. I mean, I've seen them live as well as like on the telly, and it doesn't matter whether you're there or not. You're just like, what is going on? But you do get that when you get that sort of like final four or five. Yeah, the adrenaline kicks in, the excitement, like it's anyone's match, anyone, anyone could get this. But you know, it was nice them um, like. To get quite a lot of exposure for a lot of the talent, where sort of a lot of people maybe hadn't seen them, hadn't heard of them, so it was a good way to get them exposure through that battle royale. Definitely, and then we had a match later on between Hikaru Shida and Rio, who they would go on to face the winner of the battle royale, which turned out to be Nyla Rose. Uh, it was weird the Hikaru Shida Rio match because they just kind of announced it and say, "Oh yeah, the winner of this will fight the winner of the battle royale." And then that led you to a big feature match for the first ever episode of Dynamite to crown the champion. But something we need to address, that belt is tiny. Like, um, hilariously so. Like, so it looks like a, a toy version of the actual belt that they would sell. Well, yeah, like, this was what my gripe was when they first, like, revealed the belt. Because, like, I know, the, like, the laws of physics, like, it's... It, women cannot generally sometimes hold things as heavy as like that AEW belt because let's just face it that that looks heavy like I've I've held the IWGP US championship and that was heavy um so making it smaller yes and obviously it went 
to Riho, which she's a small, tiny person. It made sense because it's like a little doll holding a belt. Like, that's what I just every single time I would see her. <laughs> well, you're saying that. <laughs> she just looked like a wee doll holding a to- like holding a belt. And then when it jumps to, like, we'll talk about it later on, like Nyla being being the champ, it looked really out of place on her. So, like, I think like they could have made a smaller version, and like of the AEW belt, just not that small, because it it looks like even the TNT Championship is bigger than that belt, and that that says a lot in my eyes. Like, you compare it to other brands, like the Knockouts Championship is a big belt, NXT Women's Championship, the SmackDown, the Raw Women's Championship, they're all bigger belts. They just maybe aren't as heavy. As the, as the male counterparts, but it just looked like they spent all their money, like their belt budget, on the main title. And <laughs> um, before, and they're like, "Oh wait, we we need a women's championship." It's like, <laughs> quickly, quickly. What what leather have we got left over from the last belt? That's honestly what it felt it, like. It looks like it's been made out of the cutouts of the metal from the world championship. It yeah, really does. It just feels like it. It feels like it's leftovers, and to me, that just feels quite insulting. To think that they couldn't make something a little bit bigger, because it, when it gets like when it goes around the women's division, like the only person that it sort of looks normal sized on is real because she is tiny. Like, Hikaru, she does make it work for her, but Nyla, there was no way that she was ever going to get that around her waist. Absolutely not. Sorry, just, I'm just imagining now Tony Khan on the, on the phone with the belt guys is like, how much did you spend on the main belt? <laughs> you did what? <laughs> I know my dad's a millionaire, but Jesus. Millionaire, billionaire? Billionaire, I own two football clubs, come on. <laughs> Oh, come on, it's only film, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I if, you, if you somebody, count football, a, a you know, the Jaguars, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, like, the thing with the belt, I think you were right, Sarah, that it, looking at the two competitors and you see the belt game, you're like, well, Weho's winning, because <laughs> it would look right on her, even though Nyla would eventually get the belt. It seemed obvious Weho was going to win the title. And then... She defended it fair enough against Britt Baker a couple of episodes of Dynamite later, and then this is when the, the issues start. She she was barely on, she wasn't on TV for the next two weeks. Then they go home show. They say, oh by the way, Emma Sakura is uh, fighting her at full gear, and then they try to push this teacher student dynamic out of nowhere, despite the fact they hadn't given it time to breathe. And uh, a couple of years one Grant, I honestly. One of the weakest AEW matches ever, I think, is Rio v. Amy Sakura. Yes. I was incredibly disappointed by that because I've seen both of them through Japanese wrestling by that point quite a few times. Uh, even seen appearances from Amy Sakura at Pro Wrestling Eve, and I was underwhelmed. I mean, Rio is actually a really good wrestler. I've seen her do stuff with Omega in the past. So I know she's capable, and Amy Sakura knows capable, but that match was like completely underwhelming I was it, it was a big problem with Rio she just was never there and even when she was there they didn't really give her a character to work with she just kind of skipped out to the ring with a tiny little belt that looked like it came out of a Polly Pocket collection and gave it gave it the whole 
Ah, hello, I have my belt. Ah, I'm here to have a match. What's the story? Give me son. What is your character? So annoying. Yeah, it's just... There's also... The thing was, Amy Sakura was meant to be, I think, the heel. We actually watched the match by default because uh, Ryu is smaller, so naturally she's a more plucky face. Then Sakura's coming out, giving up the whole Freddie Mercury strike with the microphone stand. I think the same year that bloody Bohemian Rhapsody came out, so everybody's loving Freddie Mercury. So why are you meant to boo the person who's doing Freddie Mercury? <laughs> see, see that Freddie Mercury thing kind of annoyed me because her and uh, Christopher Daniels were doing it, and it was just like, like you, you shouldn't have. I mean, imagine having a show with Kenny Williams and. Um, she don't know where that that happened, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we know who the better uh, one is. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, uh, I said here, they had the two weeks where Rio wasn't on TV, and like sometimes in wrestling, it's frustrating when there's like simple changes that can make things all the difference. Like you've got two weeks where you could have done like pre tapes to tell the story between Sakura and Rio and their history together. Because AEW, for their credit, like the stuff they do with the Road 2 is really good. And so they could have done something that really made you care, even if you never followed Japanese wrestling. And I don't know, it's like looking back, it seems easier, but like, it's just little changes could have made all the difference. Yeah, definitely. 100% agree with that one. Yeah. Like you said there about Rio and her character, that's another issue AEW had at the time, where, especially amongst the, uh, the Joshi wrestlers, and that. They kind of brought them all in at the same kind of at the same time, and never really gave people a chance to distinguish between each person. Like you had some more international people, like uh, Shanna. You had B Priestley coming in, and like honestly, when B Priestley got released, you'd be forgiven for forgetting she was part of the roster. She'd been gone that long. Well, like, for me, like the only thing I really knew about Rio was uh, Kenny Omega was involved in her training. That was it. Yeah. And then, like, Kenny Omega was in that video package that they put for her and secured it for the gear and talking about, oh, their teacher, student, and all that thing. Like, you're watching, like, Kenny, why are you telling us this? Why haven't they told us this in the past couple of weeks leading up to this? Why do we need Kenny Omega to tell us? Mm -hmm. Because it's mansplaining. That's what it is. (laughs) Yes, but it's Kenny Omega, so it's okay. No one will kick up about it. <laughs> Apparently, I was there thinking, and like I say about characters, Grant, you nailed put the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head earlier on with Britt Baker. Basically, like, look, here's Britt Baker. She's good at wrestling, and she also she's also a dentist. And people were all sitting there, like, yeah, what else is there? Uh, dentist. <laughs> like, <laughs> teeth, like teeth, dentist, dentist. I was like halfway expecting a Colgate mascot or something to come out with her. Big giant toothbrush. Oh, don't give her any ideas now the way she is. <laughs> She's a role model. Yeah. I love the character now though, I must say. Yeah, that's the thing. that It's better off. She's better off now, but back then, you had this policy like that match where she did the tie to the wrong corner. I think she got hurt in that match. Mm. And then they start trying to start a feed between her and B. Priestley. But like, it was all centered around an injury that wasn't meant to happen, and then their whole thing we had to tell in that story was basically constantly put them in either tag matches on either Dark or uh, Dynamite, and then oh look here's a match on the that's rushed into the buy-in of Full Gear, 
So, like, you had a chance to tell multiple stories at once in the women's division. And, like, this is where people started criticising the booking of AEW because they were hoping for something different from how WWE books it. Yeah, definitely. They missed out on a fair few opportunities with that. Like, multi-large storytelling could have been done to its maximum, and it was just missed. Like, yeah. A lot of people criticise the way that they brought uh, Sasha, Becky and Charlotte kind of just rushing it like, here, this will fix everything. Here's a bunch of new people on the roster. And I think that's kind of a similar thing to how AEW presented a lot of their women's roster at first, when, especially when Dynamite started, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, when you sit and look at like all these new people like debuting each and every week, I mean, I'm not going to be mad like when Chris Statlander was announced that she was going to be joining the roster. Like I was, I was, I was buzzing because I love her. Um, and then it's like small, small push. And then, like, I mean, that that kind of ruined my draft. Like the last time I did the draft because I had her Karafido because she was in the middle of getting a push. And then Chris Statlander jumped in, and I'm like, wait your turn, wait. <laughs> um, and she's one that I'm really, really gutted that she's not had a chance. To go with the belt just yet mm-hmm. um like it, it could have been interesting just like unfortunately with like she's only got her alien stuff to her and you're like what else are you gonna do but it's it's just like we're gonna sign this person we're gonna sign this person you're like yes but there's no time on tv for them don't put them on dark <laughs> give them better like yeah like Penelope Ford, who's done a lot better recently, but at first she she was at first in the corner of Joey Janela, and then randomly put with uh, Kip Sabian. But like we were never told how that happened, at least in the storyline. We know what happened in kind of in real life, but like and randomly Kip Sabian was being interviewed and randomly, oh look, there's Penelope Ford. She's by his side now, and then suddenly they're appearing with little explanation. So that was. Like I said, that was some of the issues. Like they weren't didn't feel like they were given time, even though they had plenty of time across Dynamite and Dark to do so. I think that's a different thing because we all knew like Penelope and Joey were on again, off again, on again, off again. Like they they mix business with their personal life, so it's not hard to sort of assume that that's what happened with Kip and Penelope. Because let's just face it, from when it started, like they're now engaged, they're getting married, and you're like. Well, that was either very, very quick, mm-hmm. or this has just happened behind the scenes that they've just gotten together and they're like, you know what, we'll get you on TV. And with all fairness, like Penelope's improved dramatically since being paired with Kip. Like she, she needed like that that bad character, whereas they knew that Joy was going to be an over baby face. There was no way that they were going to try and get a heel Joy Janella. Not right now, anyway. When they're wanting to push all the like the sort of crazy, what well, they were wanting to push all the date, the crazy death match stuff, uh, and they know that Joey's just crazy, so it was it was kind of hard. So I think putting a rakip was probably a very very smart move, and knowing that they have that natural chemistry, mm-hmm. again, is another factor that Paul just went. You know what? We don't even need to do anything with this because they know that they're together in real life, so yeah. I think it's it's very, very similar to the whole Penelope and Joey thing. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about somebody that you mentioned, Sarah Chris Statlander, because I know you said you were excited, but some people who weren't aware of her, like this idea of this alien gimmick that she had was is very hard to grasp at first. I think 
they did some good stuff with Horror and Orange Cassidy, but that was relegated to like stuff like being the elite mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that's another issue, like the assumption that you watch Dynamite, so you must watch Dark and the YouTube stuff and be in the elite. Mm-hmm. And you have time to watch everything. And poor Chris, she didn't get off to the best start because she was thrust into a storyline grant with the, the Nightmare Collective, which was <laughs> Randy's weird little cult, I'll say it. It's like, it was a weird <laughs> cult with Kong and then Mel, who did her best Serena impression with the shaven head. <laughs> and then they brought in Dr. Luther, who we annoyed you about because, Grant, I've got to be honest, Luther is horrible. Horrible in the context of AEW because, you know, he's not being used for what he's best known for, which is death matches. But, you know, that we're focusing on the women here. Let's let's leave Don Baldione to another conversation. Um, but, I mean, Statlander, I loved the gimmick. I loved the alien gimmick. Yes, up yours, Wilson. Loved her. But, you know, the Nightmare Collective, it was so... I tried giving that a chance. It was just so weird and out of nowhere because Brandy was doing two characters on the same bloody show. Mm-hmm. She was face wife of Cody, like, yeah, I'm here to support my husband. Then next thing you know, yeah, I'm just going to go around cutting folks' hair off just for the shits and giggles of it. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah, that came out of nowhere. Like, the weird trophy belt that Kong kind of had with all the bits of hair. Like the first time she did it, she came out and it was B. Priestley that did it too. And first she took out the knife and you're not sure about him. Like, I think this slasher in the middle of the ring. Like, I know you guys are <laughs> TV14 now, but Jesus. And then they started doing the, the hair thing. And I agree with Grant. It's all people, all people say about Triple H was for a while and that Triple H would be a heel on the main roster and then face on NXT because he created it all. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of the same with Brandy, and then it one she comes out one segment to back up Cody, and he feeds her like Jericho and Shane Spears, and then mm-hmm. she's a big heel in the women's division. Yeah, I mean, well, if I were Triple H, right, like, yeah, he does come out above a face, like, but at the same time, he, like, when he's doing NXT, he doesn't really assume a character. He's just going out there and hyping NXT as NXT. He's not like going out and then like supporting Stephanie in the ring or something like that. Like he's just going out there and just goes like blah 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 blah, we are NXT and he's just doing that to hype the crowd kind of thing and he does it in that bad boy kinda so he gets away with that. However this is like I'm supporting my babyface uh husband out to the ring, cheering him on and all that stuff. And then half an hour later I I, I look like death and then I'm gonna go out with this big women and we're gonna go out and look like death and we're gonna cut your hair when you're unconscious and yeah we're gonna do this and that it, it just did not fit but the credit where credit's due at least AEW listened to because you can imagine there's been so many so many gimmicks and like other companies where let's be honest it's not worked it's really not worked and They've tried to ram it, ram it, ram it, ram it for whatever reason, just in the hope that the shit sticks. And it's just hitting the fan and making it worse. Whereas they at least listened and quickly changed it. So that I give them props for that. Yeah, because like one minute she's with Cody saying, I'll stand by him, I'm supporting him. And then the next minute she's doing a Nightmare Collective promo saying like, why do all you people just think of me as just Cody's wife? Well, you're always by his side, so it's hard, and we all know that you're married, so... And then, like, some of the promos you cut, where she kind of almost did it at the detriment of the, the other woman in the roster, where 
she like criticised Britt Baker because of be- because she was or her relationship with Adam Cole or it's like mocking you like I barely seen on TV defend that title or then you're but then you're watching and then you're like well Brandy we know you're in charge of the women's division so that's kind of your issue not ours <laughs> and but yeah I agree with you it's a good idea that they and like uh, they learned that it, it wasn't working and I remember I think it was the media scrum for a revolution where it was Justin and Brandy talking asking questions and somebody asked Brandy about the Nightmare Collective and you could quite clearly tell Brandy did not want to talk about it. Like she <laughs> knew in her in her in her heart that it didn't work and she's basically just trying to move along to the next question. And then again that's the idea of like the admitted defeat on that one. But guys, before we, we wrap up like the first half, I want to talk about some uh, potential kind of missed opportunities in the, the first uh, when the AEW's women's division started, like the mistakes that they made early on, do you think could have really helped the booking early on? Uh, you guys got any ideas? Put the belt in Nyla Rose right for the get-go would have been the best thing to do. I could see that, like putting it on like the monster uh, right off the gate, because Nyla went on a weird journey following like losing to Rio, and like you know, as we learned from Glow, the money is in the chase. Sarah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you agree with Grant? Well, see, like, I think putting the belt on Rio to begin with, yeah, that's fine. But they want to make Nyla Rose out to be this big, unstoppable force within the division and get Rio managed to beat her, like, cleanly, um, without, like, any sort of struggles. Uh, and in some ways, it was like, no, nah, there's no way that that's even believable. Like, so I think the first defense that Rio had against Nyla Rose, where she did pretty much get wrecked mm. they should have just done it there and then like I don't know why they done that just if you're going to get someone wrecked it's usually going to be the underdog the baby face you're not going to have like them sort of outsmarting like and this is when you can develop a storyline where the baby face chases the heel champion that's how it's meant to be not the women women's champion just sort of somehow finding her way out of it like different styles but when in reality you know like in a fight who's going to win Nyla Rose or Rio like one's a giant and one's just tiny yeah okay uh, I'm going to go back to something I mentioned earlier about the, the MS Sakura story I think it's more of a general issue like the, they really needed to take a lot more time with like when they started the first few like programs with that title Time to explain who the people were that were challenging for because the early months of Dynamite, a big, my biggest issue was always they were debut people and they were always having great matches on Dynamite. But the thing that Dynamite was missing was pre tapes and interviews and the character side of things that would help explain who a lot of these new people were for the people who tuned in for the first time. And I think the women's division suffered the most from the lack of that. Yeah, quicker. Yeah, well, I've got two best opportunities. Not turning Britt Baker heel earlier, and the second one, not tapping much into the British Indian women scene. There, yes, there are a lot of names in the UK they could have signed, and WWE have taken some of those names and put them under NXT UK, and I think some of these people could have added so much to the scene at AEW. Definitely agree with that because I don't think I think about do they have any real British women on the on the roster? So I don't think they do. No, uh, be a priestly, but they they have people that have been to the UK to do tours and stuff, such as Ivelisse, 
Mercedes Martinez for a while and stuff like that. See, Martinez is another one I think is a missed opportunity because mm-hmm. they could have capitalised on WWE's mistake because she was in the medium classic twice and we all thought both times she was going to get signed and didn't. So that and like there were actually a couple of women in that Casino Battle Royal who weren't signed at the time that they really should have like capitalised on and tried to sign then. Because like mm-hmm. Daniel Dashwood is another one I think who had an underwhelming run in Ring of Honor and we all know what happened to her in, in WWE right now she's in Impact so she was another one I thought they really needed to sing when they had the chance there any, you got any thoughts? Well UK scene wise I can name people like Amazon Ayesha Raymond that got to go for the home sister always got to go for her and as, who else would that would I say well there's there are quite a few down south I'm sure Grant would list off yeah. right off the bat and Danny Luna Danny Luna I mean well she's now with NXT UK as well and there's just so many people that they just couldn't <coughs> they just kind of had something special with Scotland alone I mean and there's also Savvy Jane they could have had maybe because she's been around Europe she's done her thing she's proven around the world that was another name they could have gone for but it, it makes me wonder how much into UK have they really tapped into because apart from Bea Priestley, Kip Sabian, Jimmy Havoc uh, well now Shugdi Pineapple Pete uh, via Leeds UK he's now doing this thing there so yeah it's just how many people there's, there's a lot more people in the UK they could have tapped into in general yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of missed opportunities because you know a lot of the wrestlers, especially the elite even themselves, mm-hmm. have spent time in the UK, so like, it's not as if they weren't aware of the, the scene there. Yeah. I think maybe there's a chance that, given that NXT UK was kind of in full swing at the time, I felt like WWE was already cornering the market kind of there yeah. in terms of a lot, a lot of the top British women at the time. So maybe they were trying to look more international, like it's just a guess on my part. Because like, a lot of the top names, even people like Daniel that Grant mentioned, have like popped up once or twice. NXT like Valkyrie is uh, popping up in NXT UK mm. so I think that was already kind of a corner market WWE wise even though there's a lot of people who probably like WWE weren't looking at and who haven't really made that their breakout moment yet they could have capitalised on like one or two of the names that you mentioned there Kwaku but we're going to take a quick break now and when we come back we're going to talk about uh, moving into the new year and how the women's division has moved on in 2020 but uh, during the break, please listen to, please enjoy this uh, uh, hype package for the match between Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose that took place at Double or Nothing 2020 for the AEW Women's World Championship. And we'll see you after the break. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Hey guys, this is Brandi Rhodes, and you are listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Say when you're on top, there's nowhere to go but down. The biggest, baddest. I'm going to be a one-time champion. Female in the division. It's me. AEW Women's Champion, Nyla Rose, has no intention of relinquishing her title anytime soon. And the Beast Bomb! One, two, three. Nyla Rose has been as dominant a champion in the women's scene that uh, that I've seen in, in a long, long time. Nobody can beat me. I am the AEW Women's Champion. She's got the attitude, 
intensity. I am the leader in this division. The demeanor, anger, nasty. I am the top of the mountain. And not only that, man, she believes in herself. She's not unbeatable, as we know, but she's the next thing to it. Last October, when Nyla lost her title match and the opportunity to call herself the first ever against Riho, it merely lit a fuse that has caused grief, oh! pain. Man, she's strong, she's agile, and of course, she's gotta be hostile. And suffering. Every other woman on the AEW roster. I got you a present. I found your kendo stick, bitch! Nyla Rose Cheetah's title match at Double or Nothing will now be, gentlemen, no disqualifications, Tony, and no count out Excalibur. I would not want to be the person on the end of a no disqualification, no count out match against the Native Beast Nyla Rose. The evolution of the Native Beast's game, her impressive size, and ferocious tenacity in the ring gives her an immediate advantage over her opponents. To me, it's pretty obvious what Cheetah has to do. It's old school, but you get someone as strong and as powerful and as destructive as Nyla Rose, you can't try to mix it up with her. You try to use your weapons at the beginning of the match against Nyla, Nyla's too strong. I beat it Aja Kong in Japan, so how big she is is not matter for me. I think she's the strongest woman in AEW, but it don't matter. Being able to have this little bit of time off, it's been a little frustrating, but it's also been very welcome. You see, it rejuvenated me. It reignited something in me. But it's her take no prisoners mentality and her affinity for a good table that has propelled her game to the next level. Nala has a chip on her shoulder. I'm not exactly sure why. I personally think that's great. You know how sometimes there's just people that are angry or mean for no reason. Nyla Rose seems to have a lot of bad days. And if that becomes your sole focus, then you become a little bit easier to prepare for. Because we know you're looking for the knockout punch or the submission, and use an all-power move. All these women are clawing after Nyla Rose to try and get after her, namely Sheeta. So you have to get more of an attitude. You have to get uh, even, even more angry. You have to get even more violent, more physical, a bigger chip in your shoulder to retain your title. Meanwhile, Hikaru Shida is the hottest wrestler in women's professional wrestling today. Hikaru Shida is, I almost said that Hikaru Shida was like the, the Kenny Omega of the AEW women's division. They're two of the most popular competitors in the AEW and I think Hikaru Shida might be the biggest fan favorite in the AEW women's division. Being champion in this hard time is most important for me. I think this is the best thing, what can I do as per wrestler? Her impressive record in 2020 has catapulted her to this prize fight at Double or Nothing. When you take a look at the rankings, I think a lot goes into rankings. Not only win-loss records, I think you gotta look at the way they approach their matches, how they win. You can't deny her a title shot. Japanese style is uh, special, I think. More spirit or hard hit, but if you pull down, stand up again, again, and again. And if I am Nyla Rose, I'm concerned with this. I'm concerned with an athlete like this coming for my championship. Sheeta, since I've been gone, you've done nothing but run through the competition. So why don't you keep doing something you're good at and keep running? I think 
for me and for every fans, this show will be unforgettable. I feel that Sheeta will become the AEW Women's World Champion and defeat Nyla Rose. It will not be easy. Somehow, some way, I think that she pulls it off. I can't pick against Nyla Rose. I think she has become one of the more dominant wrestlers, not only in the women's division, but in, in all divisions in AEW. I've always believed that great wrestler will always be a great brawler. I do believe it will be one of the more spirited, physical matches of any gender in AEW ever. Tonight, live on pay-per-view at Double or Nothing, Hikaru Shida is just one victory away from becoming an international superstar. Does she have what it takes to slay the beast once and for all and take the title off the most feared woman in professional wrestling today? The reason I'm going to walk out of Double or Nothing as the AEW Women's Champion because I'm Nyla Rose and I break bitches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. And we're back here on Eat Suplex Retreat. I'm still joined by Sarah, Grant, and Kwaku as we talk about the AEW Women's Division. And we're also in there to a match we're going to talk about in a little bit the Hikaru Shida Nyla Rose Women's Championship match for Double or Nothing 2020. And I think 2020, a lot of people seen the certain issues within AEW started to kind of they started to improve on them. But I think there were still some things lacking from the Women's Division. Uh, but something that did happen, we, you guys talked about Nyla Rose should have won the title kind of from the off. She did eventually get a rematch with Riho uh, in the start of 2020 on episode of Dynamite. Grant, do you think it was the right decision to finally put the belt on Nyla and do you think it was the right decision to do it on free TV? I think it was the right decision to put the belt on her. I do believe they should have made a bigger deal of it. They could have built a bit more story to it before she got the belt. They really could have like put it on a pay-per-view and made a bigger deal out of it. It kind of felt like it was just, yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm one of these people like with AEW. I think title changes are well deserved on the big pay-per-views since they only do four a year, mm-hmm. so it makes it feel more special that way. Yeah, it was quite. It was good to kind of see a new champion because it became quite frustrating with Riho's reign that she was very on TV, especially if uh, you maybe choose her for your your draft season. And she's missing out on valuable appearance points for you. I'm not. This is a feature show, not Saturday Draft Live, Scott. <laughs> I'm still bitter about it, alright. <laughs> but Sarah, I do agree with Grant. They kind of could make a bigger deal out of it because they, they tried to develop a more of a mean streak with Nyla, where she'd been putting people like through tables. Like I think they could have at least made that women's title match the main event of that particular episode of Dynamite because the women I don't think have main evented a show, TV or pay per view so far no this and um that's something that um you, you always see on twitter it's like but do we use me wrestlemania one and it's like okay how many years did it take to get to that level so let's let's not <laughs> let's let's not let's not pretend that everyone's the pioneer of a quality all of a sudden <laughs> yeah, i mean that is, i think that's a fair point because like I don't think AEW has the the depth in the division right now to have a women's main event of a pay per view. No, no, they don't. Um, I would say like if they had a lot of meaning behind it, like they like a, a proper proper storyline, which they've had plenty of opportunities to do, like with 
Nyla finally getting that rematch. I mean, she was suspended. She was just putting everybody through tables. And then they it sort of she tried her best to make the title change seem more because it seems like nobody really cared. It's just like, oh, finally the belt's off of Riho. It's someone else that's got the belt now. And then there's people making comments about the fact that maybe Nyla shouldn't be part of the women's division because she's trans and then that blew up, um, which it doesn't help uh, when they're trying to make it it's like established. So I think like the fact that it didn't it didn't feel like a big deal, like it, it really is just like, oh goody, title match. Oh look, oh look, for, oh, oh she won. And then that was sort of really it, like she's trying to big herself up and she's tried her best cutting like decent promos but at the same time like you're like there's no effort gone, gone into this I was like I'm, I want to care but I just can't and <laughs> everyone knows with me I I really hope for things to get pushed forward in the future especially with some new like AW like I was I, I was talking with Dan about this last night saying do you think the last just as long as like for example WCW or WWE like and it's like well it'll be a miracle if unless they do something to change because then it's just going to become like they'll probably what they'll end up doing is they'll be splitting off and having dynamite and having heels as their own show like because it seems that that's getting more hype and promo on TV than the women's matches are actually getting right now so, who knows? But it, it it doesn't make me want to care. The fact that it just at that point it was like, right, okay. And then with the whole pandemic, Rio has basically hasn't been seen since. Like she dropped the belt and literally disappeared, like for that month even before the pandemic hit. So it's just, it it just makes you wonder like, was it the right decision to put it on her in the first place? Because as soon as she dropped it. She hightailed out of there. Don't know why, but is she still in the company? Oh, I think she's still contracted. I think. I think she might. Be. A lot of people said that uh, the reason she wasn't on TV every week is she still lived in Japan, so she's come back and forth from the US. But then you think, well, then you've got to take that into consideration, though. Huh? Like I would say, you need to take that into consideration. Like if you want your at the time face of the women's division isn't there every week then of course it is going to cause a lot of salt and a lot of tension with the women that are there every week like I know it's different circumstances that like Rio lives in Japan like she can't always make it but then it just makes you think did they put the belt on her because she's Kenny's pal mm. yeah that, that, there is that issue I think there's a possibility but yeah I think that's another point for why they should have put it on Nyla in the first place because she would be there uh, week to week, I think she was on TV a lot more than Rio was when Rio was champion. And then Nyla does defend the belt at Revolution against Chris Statlander, one of Statlander's first big opportunities. I think it was still a bit too early for her, so you knew she kind of wasn't probably going to win the belt. And then we all know the pandemic hits, and then more issues with the women's still not being featured because Nyla missed, I think, the first big like set of tapings because she was kind of in isolation or she was in lockdown at the time and so she was barely appearing so then it looks like okay women's belt's gonna be featured again 
and then Nyla disappears as well for a while. <laughs> that was a big thing. And then obviously Britt Baker and Chris Datlander get injured. So you already got a limited roster with a pandemic. And then Grant, you lose two of your main features players to injury at right at the same time because Baker was made to fight Statlander. Statlander then had the match with Ford and then after that Statlander got injured. Yeah, I mean that was I was guide back. I mean Britt Baker was really starting to get a lot of traction with her new kind of like with new heel personality. Statlander's injury, that is just brutal. Both knees she is going to be gone for a while. I mean, she's put on Twitter just the other, like, the other week there that she's literally only just started walking without crutches. That's how bad it is. So she's going to come back eventually. She'll be stronger. But it's it was, it was a real big shame because you had two people that were really bringing... To me, they were bringing a renewed interest in the division. Mm-hmm. So to lose them at a key point like that, as you say, limited roster, you can't really afford to lose too many more. Yeah, it was a big issue. At least Britt Baker Quacky was able to be there in the crowd on her little uh, Rolls Royce, as she called it, kind of berating people like Big Swole from her from her wheelchair. It's her relationship with Tony Schiavone that is just the absolute best. Like it, it, it just reminds me of Brooklyn Nine Nine when Gina Linetti and um, <laughs> Captain Holt and their relationship, where G, like Gina this time Brett is so modern and zany and all this kind of stuff. Schiavone is a, a bit on uh, likes a simpler life, but no, Brett Baker and Gina Linetti will not let that happen and. Puts Tony and friendship time out and stuff like that. It's just absolutely riveting TV. I I mean, the only part uh, I've said this before in a Wednesday Night War is she's made the absolute best of her time away from injury, kind of like Tommaso Ciampa did with Johnny Gargano. They, they were both on the shelf, but they still made absolute good use of their whatever TV time they were got to make the impact and make their characters shine through. And it is, of course, you don't wish them to be injured, but if that's the work they do, it's just amazing. You can't do nothing but praise it. Yeah, it's rare to become more entertaining through injury, but somehow, Brett Baker reminds really, you have Tony Schiavone on commentary telling the other commentators that he's just been passed a note from Brett <laughs> Baker and having to read it to JR and Excalibur or Taz or whoever else is joining them. Uh, I know also you'll be hopeful uh, to see Chris Dallander back very soon, but. I think uh, when, Brie, when she had that match with Penelope Ford at Double or Nothing, I think it was the first time we probably got to see what Penelope Ford was able was capable of in the ring on a major stage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'd we'd barely gotten to see Penelope, um, and even then, it was like small little spots, like head scissors, maybe a, like a, a kick or something. It wasn't much, so. Mm-hmm. She was given that opportunity. She's like improved massively. Like I remember when she could barely take a bump properly. So like watching that to that, it is really really good to see. And like the fact that they started actually featuring her, like as part of like a contender for the women's division. I mean I don't even know what the rankings are like in the AEW women's division because it's just all gone to shit right now. That's so, a whole other story. Exactly. So it's just like, uh, and now she's sort of pulled herself back again. I mean, it is a bit of a strange one, but 
I think like her match with Chris, I I love that match because like you have even though Chris is still quite young, she's got a lot of experience behind her. So having that as well as having Penelope in there, you've got two different styles mixing up, but you've got experience and then you've got the power just in case something does go wrong. But thankfully like I was I was heavily entertained in that match and I was like this could be the turning point. Mm-hmm. And let's just hope if like if that sort of stuff can continue, then I'd be all for it. Yeah, she really stepped up uh, to the plate because I think a lot of people were saying, "Oh well, she's a replacement; she's not going to win." But then she surprised everyone just by how she's probably one of the most naturally athletic people we've got on the roster. And then we talked about her partnership with Kip Sabian. He had me cracking up during the match where Satlander squared up to him when he tried to interfere. And he's like, "Hey, I've seen all the Alien movies. I know how to deal with you." it's small things it's small (laughs) things like even just like little snarky comments Mm -hmm. that it it just it just makes everything so let's talk about speak see with double or nothing and talk about uh, Hikaru Shida beating Nilo Rose for the women's championship because we talk about their rankings you know that's a whole another podcast on its own I think but Nilo Hikaru Shida I think was one of the few women to naturally claim the rankings, Grant, getting wins and naturally able to get over with the fans. That by the time you got to Double Nothing when she won the title, it felt like a natural progression and people were happy to see her as the new champion. Yeah, she does climb to the top was natural. I was following it quite a lot because obviously we talked about they had quite a lot of Joshi wrestlers come over and some of them kind of got lost in the shuffle, but Shida stood out. She had a she kind of had a clear character, clear sort of loved the whole sort of like she always came out with the kendo stick and just her her look the way she carried herself worked so well and she's a lethal striker like she was actually she was convincing it's like she wasn't huge but she wasn't as tiny as like Rio. you're like yeah if she hits you one of those knees you're definitely going out like a light i think it's the fact that she's she's adaptable as well like you can put her with pretty much almost anybody and you wouldn't even be able to see like sometimes it's like Joshi's side, sometimes it doesn't even play a factor. It's like it's there, so we hint. But when you have it like with various other people who have like no experience in it, she at least can go, right, okay, off I go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because at first she came up, she uh, when she first debuted, it was like, what is her thing? Why is she always carrying around this candlestick and everything? But then, like I said, she naturally took advantage of this time where not a lot of women were being featured because of the pandemic to get more TV time. She got over with the fans. And honestly, she's had some of the best matches for that title uh, in the history of AEW. Because like, the match with Penelope Ford at Fighter Fest with the Penelope Ford doing uh, the Matrix kind of backflip thing to move out of the way of uh, the spot off the top. And then we need to talk about that match from All Out with Thunder Rosa. I, want, I purposely wanted to, I really wanted to talk about this because Thunder Rosa, it was weird, weird that they had to be bringing people in from the outside to have great matches for this division. But Thunder Rosa is so talented. And her versus Shida All Out, I think, is a big strong candidate for, for match of the night. And actually, at 17 minutes, is the longest pay-per-view match in AEW that women have ever had. That's yeah, that's where I did my research. <laughs> you become the Hockney with the statistics there. I mean, it was definitely... I, I don't wear hats indoors. I, I have common sense for that. <laughs> the shade! Not from the hat indoors, but you know what I mean. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, that match with Thunder Rosa was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I loved it. So, I mean, to put it out there, I think it's actually one of the best matches that the women's division have ever had mm-hmm. since the inception of Dynamite. And, like, the fact that they had to bring in the NWA Women's Champion to be able to make me properly care about the AEW Women's Division. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love I love the rivalry between uh, Big Swole and Britt Baker. Like, I think that was amazing. The whole to the nail match was a bit strange. <laughs> um, so, but, like, the fact that I, I was like, I think that's one of the best matches that they've had today, and that's, that's saying something. So... I don't like. I, I don't think, unfortunately, that Thunder Rosa will join the division. Um, like you do have people like Diamante and Ivelisse kicking around, which I'm pretty sure they are probably going to sign. You've got Tay Conte as well. She'll probably end up signing, and you know, joining Dark Order. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like not to put it out there. I just think it was probably one of the best ones that they've had. I, I don't think you can really deny that. I've- Love the match. The tooth and nail match, I'll say, given its cinematic style of it, it's I was good trippy. for what it was. Uh, Reva, though, needs to go back to bloody acting school. I mean, look, hen, who was your coach, bloody Lana? Reva! Reva! Although, props to uh, Brett Baker skulking around with that mask on that she clearly borrowed from Cody's run from about 2011 when he thought he was disfigured. <laughs> wow. Well, wait, that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> but, uh, so you mentioned Evelyn and Diamante. They won that uh, women's tag team tournament that they held recently. And I wanted to briefly talk about this because this is this is a weird thing to talk about because like, I don't know what the point of the tournament was. Like They gave it so in like slot on YouTube. It wasn't featured on Dynamite except for the finals. And like you have Diamante and Avis win, win beating Brandy and Ali in the finals when it felt like it was set up for Ali and Brandy to win and then Evelise and Diamante win they don't really win anything, they win a trophy and that's it like why do we Why we, we don't know why these women care so much about this trophy it's not as if they're starting out with like, a tag division it doesn't seem like it See if they were going to start a tag division they can go and get that to bugger until they sort out their singles division like you it's like you need, you can't just decide, that, no, we're just going to distract for a little while. We'll distract, but I honestly thought that the um, the women's tag tournament was a way to put over Brandy and Ali. Mm. Like, I, I actually, I was like, nah, that's that's clearly for them. It was the same as, like, the TNT Championship. Cody can't, win, can't like, battle for the main title. So he'll have this title. <laughs> that's honestly how it felt, so... I was like, not gonna lie, I was shocked when Eva yeah. and Diamante won it. Like, I was extremely shocked. But at the same time, you're just like, again, why is Ali with the like with Brandy? Why are they calling themselves the Nightmare Sisters? They're not really playing into this whole thing with QT Marshall. You don't know what's happened. You don't know why she became the bunny. Like, I know that she's you know married to Blade, but that, that they didn't even touch on that. Mm-hmm. So it's like Ali's just doing all these little things. And you're like, why? I don't know why, I don't understand. <laughs> like, yeah, you want to understand these things, but you can't. So it, it takes away a small bit of enjoyment. I like to think it's like a case of showcasing some new talent, because you had some people being brought in, like 
Rachel Ellering was the part of the tournament. Ada Scott was on commentary, which she was amazing. Mm -hmm. You had uh, Anna Jay's first real showcase, and it was part of the Dark Order now. Uh, You had Cam, the artist formerly known as Cameron, uh, on the show. She got got eliminated in the first round because she can't stick around. She's got to get back to watching Melina versus Alicia Fox for the 100th time. The best thing about that tag team division was Vicky Guerrero coming out with that absolutely banging music. It was amazing. <laughs> I love that woman. I used, I used to hate. I'm like, I hated her. Really hated oh, her. I love Vicky Guerrero. Growing up, I hated Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> now, I, oh, I, that woman can do no wrong in my opinion with that. Excuse me. She can do no wrong. Right, you, you get a pop when you hear the excuse me. I oh, big time. When you see now, like at the pay per view, you're like, Vicky Guerrero is at an AEW show. And then, <laughs> like, when they were discussing who Nyla Rose's manager was, I was like, please let it be Vicky. I was like, it can't be anyone other than Vicky. And then Vicky appeared, you're like, yes, the women's division <laughs> has been saved. Vicky Guerrero is now part of it. Two <laughs> people in wrestling can have, a, have as good an evil laugh as that woman. Mm-hmm. Like, like no one can make you hate anyone more. Evil no. Like, <laughs> like, I still love it. It just seems to be a match being in heaven between those two because you got to think that Nyla's going to get another shot eventually. She's currently, I think, number one in the rankings, but you know when has that ever mattered in AEW? So. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Yeah, what, did, what were your thoughts on the, the, the tournament? It, it just kind of happened. It was just... And I mean, we all know, you know, I'm a big tournament junkie. New Japan made me that way. But, you know, at least the tournaments there have a purpose. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, I was just like, there's a lot of good talent here. There's a lot of good showings for a lot of these a lot of these women. I would have rather they just done a singles tournament. It would have made so much more sense to do a singles tournament because they could have built on that and built stories in. It could have worked so well. Because... Mm-hmm. If Evelise or Diamante get a shot at Hikaru Shida at some point in the coming weeks, then yeah, it was worth something. But then, like you said, it should have been better off being a singles tournament because why do you have a tag tournament for a shot at a singles belt? Because even with four, I think they're fine with the belts they have right now because they need to just get a bit more work into the belts that they currently have. I mean, they've even brought on, even got unofficial belts at the bloody FTW belt. <laughs> so I think give it at least a bloody year or something before you bring in tag belts because think how long WWE's been around and they can barely handle someone sag belts right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, before you add in our belt and you know, plus WWE can have so many belts because they have so many bloody shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. And a lot more time on their hands. Mm-hmm. There was another thing, like, I think it was Nyla Rose who went on Twitter kind of defending the, the Deadly Draw or whatever the tournament was called being on its own YouTube show for the majority of it up until the finals, saying like, hey, we're getting our own designated show on YouTube. But at the same time, they didn't know how to fill the kind of woman slot on Dynamite. Because like the same way that the, the, when the first shows and the tournament started, they had Carol Sheer up here on the show in like a two-minute squash match. So like, there's, it's still very uneven at the moment. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's where I kind of want to round out uh, the show. I want to uh, go around and want to talk about some of the things we want to see kind of going forward on the women's division. If there's anybody out there you think you should, they should probably sign, I think we've kind of covered it already. But if there's anybody else you think they should probably sign 
AEW than Drake Beckett. Yeah, so first thing you should do, uh, Sarah, you should send over the blueprints of the Queen of the Ring tournament we made. Send it over to... Um, let's let's send it to Brandy because I feel like she can... Oh yeah, me and Tand- me and Brandy are tight. I'll just you know slide into her DMs. I'll tag Cody. I'll tag the Bucks and tag Kenny because we're all pals. Well, we did get a soundbite offer, so there we go. That is true. Actually, about Brandy, remember me? I annoyed you in Glasgow <laughs> last year. <laughs> Which I can say that everyone's already heard that banging soundbite. So yeah, Brand, hit up Brandy. Just 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 go uh, br. Uh, how about this? And with that, they should take along Amazon Aisha Raymond, Savvy Jane, Giselle Shaw, Chantal Jordan as well. Take them all with you. Don't uh, take all the fierce females roster. Christ, Quacko. I know. I got, I, we still I, need them! We still need them, I know. But I'm, if I'm thinking unselfishly, because, like, see things like, see, see when you see people that you've interacted with, in the UK, doing their thing, doing their bits in AEWWW, it's just such a great feeling and stuff. It's, it's just so good to see them shining and doing their thing. So yeah, they, those are people I would like to, you know, Mark and say, AEW, sign them up, do your thing, be the best. If AEW have another another tournament, a Queen of the Ring sale tournament, then we know where they got the idea from. Mm-hmm. Hey, a you got any thoughts about what you want to see going forward with AEW? Well, I would like to see the women get like decent TV time. I mean, they they need to build up their roster like that. There's no question about that. You can't have a roster that's separate like around six women. You can't. Mm-hmm. What I would like to see is I I would actually like to see Diamante join the inner circle and go back with Santana and Ortiz. Um, just like you know, LAX, but Hatch just sign Evelise as well. Have hers just be like because you've only really got Nyla and Britt Baker and Penelope Ford as the main heels of the division. Like you need to start building like even just storylines with other storylines. Like they did kind of do that with Britt and Swole, but at the same time, it's just like oh, we're going to have champion versus champion. It's like focus both. Mm-hmm. But that's what I would like to see. Mm-hmm. But if you can get Jericho to somehow get Diamante a big push in the women's division, he would be the person to do it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, would be interested. I think having a female member of the inner circle would be quite interesting because you don't see a lot of factions with a good mix of male members and female members. Well, no, Anna J is the only Dark Order member right now. No. Apart from me. <laughs> Have you joined them? I joined them back at the start. Been down since day one. Wow, <laughs> we've gone there. Uh, Grant, uh, for me, focus actually build stories. Actually, commit to them. And thinking of we had combined that with signings. I think two women who have worked very well in the UK indie scene, who worked incredibly well together both as a team and singles. Millie McKenzie. Charlie Evans, give me the Medusa complex in AEW. They would be a great heel team to just come in and just pardon my French, fuck shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Villa McKenzie, I think she was on XC4 and then she just kind of disappeared, so there's there's somebody, there's a, there's a couple of people in the UK that WWE haven't got their, haven't signed up yet, so 
There you go. Gregory, as you said, and, getting some people from the UK in. And Alia James. She's young. She's still very early in her career. But my God, she can wrestle. And she can wrestle anyone. I've seen her put on a fantastic match with Chris Brooks. Incredible. Yeah. I definitely think I mentioned Rachel earlier, and I think you should probably sign her up. Sign more people to kind of fill out the bottom after the, the, the roster. It's like develop an actual mid card in the division. So you can actually develop. So you can actually. We can actually have people who aren't chance of taking up other feuds around the belt, and I think Anna G. We mentioned her. She needs to a push for her as a member of the Dark Order. It's definitely needed. And as much as I like she as a champion, you need to put the belt on Britt Baker as soon as she comes back for injury when she's really cleared to have actual matches and not just and not just the uh, cinematic ones. You need to put the belt on Britt Baker. Y'all need to join the Dark Order. <laughs> <laughs> How much do they pay you to say that, Sina? We're not They're getting to paid. <laughs> oh, did you not know? God damn it. I mean, Mr. Brody <laughs> Lee. <sighs> he looks like Grant in a suit, so I'm, I'm assuming he's a businessman. <laughs> well, me and Brody Lee have never been seen in the same room. Have we not? Go and tell your yeah. other self to pay me. Are you Banksy Grant? <laughs> I'll have my people put out a statement to deny this. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't talk about uh, on this show a lot. Uh, somebody who's just recently kind of debuted, uh, kind of together, Abaddon, who's being been featured on Dark. It's kind of this demon character who's very unsettling. I <laughs> scares love the her. I love, I love her. her. <laughs> She's incredible. She's scary and it's amazing and you don't know what's going to happen. Love it. Yeah, I think given that she's been adult, I think it's a good start for her. Let her develop more she's and then start pushing that character on dynamite. Like I said, to actually give people time to develop their characters. That's why I like that Anna Jay's now in the Dark Order. Poor Austin Gunn is going to shit himself when he <laughs> when she when she appears. The biggest fanboy of the wall, he will shift himself and it'll be hilarious. That's what I like actually, is the fact that you've got one of the male folk that are, like, that are signed being like one of the top fans for one of the women's talent. Mm-hmm. Like usually it's the other way around, like always like the hype man, but every single week you see him, got her gear on, like taking her jacket, I'll look after this and he's proper hyping her up and you're like, that, that you love to see, you love to see it. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I would say, struggling to think of who else they could say. I mentioned people like Sumia Deeb and that, and like Rachel Allen. You need some like new people. After I think maybe Leva Bates should, could do a lot more than just stand outside during and watch like Peter Avalon lose every week. She could actually step in the ring. One one week, Brandon Cutler will roll a roll net 20 and they will win and it'll be amazing. <laughs> one of these weeks. One more name to add character in depth, Session Moth Martina. Yeah, steal her from Ring of Honor. I was going to say, she's not signed by then, right now. Oh, steal from... It's fine, Poaching. What are we doing right now? It's fine. I'm pretty sure they're starting up again sooner than... Ring of Honor's already taping. Still steal her. It's fine. (laughs) So, Sarah and Quacker advocating going full Vince in the E's and just snatching her away from, from Ring of Honor. Well, Ring of Honor snatched her from WWE, so it's fine. To be honest, can't blame them. 
Everyone fancies Martina, myself included. <laughs> God, can you imagine that? It's like session with Martina, and she's like trying to grind up against Jake the Snake. Okay, that doesn't sound. Just one of these weeks. Weeks, mother of God. <laughs> anyway. That's TV 14 rating as well. It's TV 14, not TV 18. She could wreak havoc, like. God, that'd be funny. Aggie cans will answer up, Chuck. And then again, she could go get drunk with Hagman Adam Page. Oh my god, make that mixed tag team happen. It's having her and the crowd, like watching other people's matches, like her alongside bloody Billy and Austin Gunn just like making noise. Cheering everybody on, and she's probably passing the can around. <laughs> oh, oh the things we could um, vision for Martina. She's so versatile. Yeah. I think we've, we've given our suggestions on people who really think should come AEW and some things we want to see. And we want to know what you guys think we should do with the AEW Women's Division. If you've got any ideas that we haven't mentioned here, please let us know on social media. That would be Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at SuthexReview. Or you can join our community page and let us know there and have a chat with people like us and fellow wrestling fans about all sorts of topics and keep up with what's going on here on ESSR. And remember, as I said before, subscribe on all good Android podcasts and sites, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, uh, to keep up with new episodes of new features and keep up with shows like ESSR Central, Saturday Drive Live, and so much more. Uh, I thank my panel today, uh, Sarah Grieve. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you, Tay Grant. You're welcome, Join Dark Order. <laughs> And even <laughs> even though I didn't come up with an intro for him, thank you, Quacky. I'm putting your friendship time out. <laughs> and I try to process that bombshell. Uh, I thank you all for listening and make sure to tune in next week where we look at something that EW hasn't really had so far in its run, and that's an authority figure. We'll have a show all about that, and I'm sure there'll be a, a long discussion about a certain authority figure that loves making tag team matches. But until then... Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Hello, I am the GOAT, David Campbell, and I would like to invite you, the listener, to my new show over at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets YouTube channel. And that show is The Conspiracy Theory, where once a month, I will be taking a look at all the rumours and speculation in the world of professional wrestling and giving the most important opinion on the matter. My opinion. Yes, that's right. Head over to Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Like, share and subscribe where you'll get a lot of other great content over there such as the new hit show, Quiz Showdown. But don't forget, check out my new show, The Conspiracy Theory, on Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Farewell, friends.